Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, the macabre, New England's own Van Helsink, with me all the way across the pond in the land of the Red Dragon in the county of Midsummer is the most venerable ghost standard and ghost hunted in Steve Parsons. It's not midsummer. Whatever. Pembroke, Pembrokeshire. That should be easy for you to remember because you're not very far from Pembroke yourself. Uh, yeah, one thing, I, when I go over to UK, I've got to go to midsummer. Uh, it do, it's not real. It's got to be. No, it's not real. So, hey, they, there was an item on the news this evening about midsummer. They've, they've just celebrated their 281st murder. See, that's a higher, apparently, that's a higher crime rate than New York and London. There you go. I mean, there you go. I mean, it's it's got to be a real place, though, because it's on TV. And, you know, they, everything on TV is real. We all know that. Well, yeah, Jason and Grant's a proof of that. Real ghost hunters. Whatever. So anyways, uh, you are coming over here this fall, which I'm really excited. And, and you're working on a kind of a neat project, which I'm really, really excited about. Yeah. So y'all want to be a wicked good ghost hunter. There you go. <laughs> I love that title. Yeah. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> oh, we're having T-shirts done. <laughs> and I also announced the dates for Spirit Quest, which is up on my Facebook page, which is uh, Ronald Kolick. You can friend me because I take anyone. And give me your poor, your indigent, your whatever, and uh, I'll friend you. So there you go. Or you'll friend me or whatever it is. Well, I'm already so, friends with you. So, so anyways, we yeah. part of uh, – Spirit Quest is, is we're going to be looking into spiritualism and we're going to be looking into the beginnings of ghost hunting this year. So I'm kind of excited about it. And, um, you know, they're both. You remember it, don't you? What's that? Well, yeah, you're old enough to I remember know. the very, the very start of ghost hunting. Right. According to my Facebook page, I'm 110 anyways. So anyways, uh, we have a young lady who has joined us and or will join us or whatever, how it works. And. She has written this book, We Don't Die, which is kind of what the theme of Spirit Quest is, because we don't die, and we are both looking for proof, both spiritually and scientifically, if to prove that. But you know I'm going to disagree with that part of it later. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, I want to introduce to you uh, Miss Sandrish Chaplain. Chaplain? Chaplain? Did I get that right? Champlain. You're very, very good. Yeah, right. Um, Champlain, just like the lake. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Sandra, welcome to the show. And um, you are from my home state, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Hello, Ron. Hello, Steve. I'm thrilled to be good. with you today. Good afternoon, Sandra. I'm speaking Thank to you from your future. So I know you I are. Say good afternoon and good evening. I and it all gets know. really confusing. But if we're all here in the present moment, time just doesn't matter, does it? Well, it does when we're doing the lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and anyway, Sandra, 
I'd like to do this for you, a, a little gift to you, because it's Valentine's Day. Oh, thank you. And uh, so Day. I will ask you to pick a number from two to 999, and I will give you a phrase from Doreen Virtue's Angel Numbers book, and we'll see what happens. So okay. pick a number from two to 998. 613. Oh, my God, that's the page I have open. Can you imagine that? I must be psychic. It says here that the ascended masters are helping you feel happy and peaceful regarding the situation. So that, how can you beat that? I like that because I usually get nervous before going on a radio show. And so that's perfect. Thank you. We're not like real radio hosts. Uh, Steve and I are are geniuses. I know who you are. I've checked you out. You're the best of the best. I know who you are. I know where I you know live. I know who you are. I know where you live, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> so you, you've written this book, um, We Don't Die. And, and I, I think it's really interesting. I, I've been, I actually have a copy of it, believe it or not. And, Great. Um, I, I find it interesting. So, but, but the question, I guess, is why write the book? The big picture, the overview a little synopsis of why is I was somebody who had a huge fear of dying. This is back in 1996. I kept it very private, but I did some research just over years and years and years of looking. Is there any proof of life after death that will calm my fears? And around 2005, I actually hit upon some really big things with taking a course in mediumship and remote viewing and uh, electronic voice phenomena. Bottom line is it calmed all my fears. Now, I was someone who adamantly laughed at people if they believed in ghosts, life after death, people that would listen to this show. I mean, I was so adamant that um, none of that stuff was real. And so people shouldn't waste their time even thinking about it. So the world knew me as such a skeptic and such an outspoken person <laughs> about people who believed in this nonsense that there was no way I was going to come forth and tell people what I had found out. So I just put it all on the back burner. Well, fast forward to 2010, my beloved father gets cancer and five months later he dies. And out of that process, grief kicked in and I experienced a horrible, horrible pain that I've never experienced something that bad. And I found, I'd started investigating the world of grief and I found some things that really helped me ease my pain. Uh, some of the things about how the brain works and just some, like I got some aha moments out of why we grieve and being a good Samaritan, I posted a, an audio called how to survive grief online, um, bought the domain name, survivegrief.com. People mm -hmm. can go there and just press download and, and listen. Well, in just a few months after dad died, over 3000 people in 15 countries had heard it and it went not viral, viral, but a lot of people had heard it. And I started getting these emails, not only how it helped people reduce their pain and how it gave them hope, but people started responding that they chose not to end their own lives because the pain they were in had something to do with grief. And through my coaching that's on the audio, they were able to help let go of, of the grief, understand it. B bottom line out of all of this is when you get enough responses about 
a, a life-saving thing. It's like I had this moral responsibility that if these words are so important, how do I get it to the most amount of people? And between you and me and your listeners, I hadn't even thought of sharing what I knew about life after death. But then I had that aha moment that I'm not the grief lady. I'm about having fun, making a difference, having a fulfilled life, uh, very curious and things like that. And I thought if I could have the guts to come forth with uh, the We Don't Die, and my subtitle is A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death, Mm -hmm. share everything I know put one chapter in about grief because we're all going to have to deal with it and then kind of conclude the book with how to live a powerful life while we're here on earth. And I had that idea and magically I meet a um, publisher, fell in love with the idea, took a huge risk on publishing me. And in a matter of a year, it hit uh, number one grief book on Amazon in the US, UK and Canada, and also number four top in, um, motivational book. So it's out there now making a huge difference. And for me being so fearful of sharing this message, now it's become um, a lot easier. <laughs> and it's making it's making a difference. So I just felt it's something I had to share. Oh, it's, you know, it's a big project to write a book. It's it's not an easy undertaking. I've written two myself, so I understand what goes into it. So you really have to be motivated to do it. And uh, I think your motivation is what really moves you to that level. Oh, definitely. And then the more people that read it or even listened to the audio and the emails that I got, I think that fueled me to keep going because I think we all have this little voice in our head that's this inner critic that we're not good enough or whatever it says to us. And so, um, you know, we can get into this more in the interview, but I think that little voice in our head stops us from really remembering that we are these infinite beings that I think our life here on earth, well, we know it, it's temporary, but I believe we're all souls having this human experience and that we go on for much longer than just our bodies give us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know Steve's very quiet, so that's usually a, a, a I don't know if that's a good <laughs> sign or not. Maybe because I'm paying because I'm paying attention and because maybe, maybe he maybe he died and we'll talk to him in the afterlife. I don't know, but <laughs> you seem you seem to be doing just fine at the moment, Ron. Yeah, you know what's interesting is on one day on um, Ghost Chronicles, the morning edition show, and uh, I, I kind of came up with this idea, and I kind of like it now. It's that you know our body, our bodies are so fragile and they're so. Uh, temporary is what they are. And it's really our essence and our soul that is who we are. And I almost kind of think like our bodies are, are like the egg in the chicken and that it are the cocoon for the thing. It, it's how we start out as a, as a being. In other words, we got this physical body to uh, nurture us and, and to grow the spirit. And eventually we shed it like we would... Uh, do you know this is uh, uh, Ron? You're starting to get awfully new age and and uh, <laughs> and, and hippie about this. I, I think what we've got to bear in mind, and we, there, there does have to be a, a different perspective on on the, the the process of what happens after death, if indeed anything does, because sure. well, other than the accounts from spiritualists and mediums. Um, 
of which you know we we've got accounts going right the way back to the 17th century with the work of Joseph Glanville and Emmanuel Swedenborg, uh, then through the Fox Sisters and into the development of spiritualism proper. Uh, you know there are there are thousands and thousands of books about spiritualism. There are thousands, hundreds of books that are purported to be the dictate of souls that have passed, dictated uh, to the living via, you know, via um, mediums, mm-hmm. uh, describing Summerland, describing the afterlife, describing what happens at the moment of death and beyond death. And out of the, all of those hundreds of books, very few of them actually say the same thing, which would suggest that either the messages that are coming from the other side are distorting or that everybody's experience of the dying process is completely and utterly different, or the third possibility, it's all make-believe. Oh. And we do have... No, <laughs> it, it has to be... It ha- that, you know, we can't just accept on the basis of somebody say so. Um, and we've had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, thousands of years, mainstream religion also says that we survive death. Uh, as you know, we go to join our our creator and our maker, and it is a powerful belief that's strongly held within many people. But we don't have that universal testimony um, that that shows us, you know, gives us the evidence that we that we need. Everybody's proof is dependent upon everybody's different belief, well, and well, some me... people who believe that there is no there that. is no survival of death, their proof is there is no evidence. Well, actually, Sandra says in her book, in the back of cover, it says proof that you survive physical death. Well, that was the question I was going to come to. Yeah. What makes Sandra, Sandra, what makes you so certain that we do survive death? There's a, several things that make me certain. And just to get back a bit to what you're saying, Steve, it's like, what's the point? I mean, as a human being, years ago, everybody believed that the earth was flat. And, you know, that belief... Yeah, for just forever that people believed it. And there was nothing people could do to get them to change their mind. And suddenly now we have this, of course it's round. You know, of course it is. And I think with life after death, I actually do think within our lifetimes there will be a a tipping point that more people will believe than don't believe. And my proof, some of the just some of the things that I discovered. Now you have to remember that I was a hardcore I don't believe it unless there's proof. I, you know, anybody who believed in spiritualism or anything like that, it's just, they're a nut job. I mean, who, we won't even go there. So, you know, for me to be the one, and I think that's why I'm the perfect um, messenger for this message. It was, I, you know, one of the first things that I started happening to me is I started having what I would call kind of psychic hits. So I would know a song that came on the radio before it came on the radio. Um, before the phone rang, I would hear a name, Andrea, in my head. And all of a sudden, it's a telemarketer named Andrea. Enough of these experiences started happening that my rational mind is saying it's impossible, yet how how is this happening? I ended up taking a course with Doreen Virtue out in California. Oh, wow. And, and it was called Medium Mentorship. 
her promise, and this was a promise, is that at the end of three days, you will be someone who can effectively tell the deceased around others. So rational mind is there's no way that's possible. Now, keep in mind, deep inside me, I've got this fear of dying. I don't want to go. I don't know what happens after we go. So mm -hmm. I'm looking for some kind of an answer. So I attend this course. There's only about 20 of us in the room for the weekend. Laguna Beach, California. Um, I don't know if you've seen Doreen Virtue. She's a beautiful lady, but she yeah. wears these angel gowns, very ornate gowns. And it, it seemed to me that just about everybody in the room was dressed like that, like gypsy and then there's me with my khaki pants on my polo shirt and i'm thinking oh geez i'm definitely in the wrong place but i thought you know what no one knows i'm here i kept it very very top secret one of the first things that she had us do was take a partner everybody sit knee to knee someone you don't know and she says i'm going to give you like a demonstration of how we do mediumship, but don't worry about it. We're not really doing it. We're just going to play pretend here so you know what's coming. By her giving those words, it was easy. She says, I just want you to pretend. I want you to make up that there's a person standing behind your partner and simply just tell a story. So I have quite an imagination, as I think many people do. And with my eyes closed and I'm holding my partner's hands, and of course there was a couple steps to do beforehand. Imagine that our hearts are connected by this invisible beam of energy and it's a safe space and invite a deceased loved one to come. And, you know, I, I went for it. I said, well, I'll play with this. Why not? And so I invented a person standing behind my partner. And out of my mouth, I'm saying, it's your grandfather on your mom's side. He was a fisherman in Denmark. He had blonde hair, blue eyes, big gap between his teeth, windburned skin, was a chain smoker. His name was Jan. He died of lung cancer. And gentlemen, I'm telling the story, just making it up out of the clear blue, thinking, you know what, while I'm here for the weekend, let's just play. Mm -hmm. Because we weren't really doing mediumship. This was just practice. So I opened my eyes. My partner, this beautiful woman, is crying. Her grandfather's name was Jan. He was a fisherman in Denmark. He fit the description. He died of lung cancer. Oh, and what I forgot to tell you is there's usually this profound message that comes. And so, you know, another thing I make up is I said, oh, and your grandfather never told your mother that he loved her never spoke the words. And I say that, and it, it was all true. So then she turns to me and she correctly talks about my grandfather, his name, the German shepherd by his side. I mean, this is a total stranger. And that, Steve, I think that just cracked the door open mm -hmm. that there's something else. And give it, and I had a weekend of doing that no way was I correct 100% of the time, maybe 30, 40% of the time. I think the other time was my imagination. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it cracked the door open enough that I said, if that's possible, what else is possible? So from there, I mean, I've taken a course on electronic voice phenomena. I've recorded voices of hundreds working with people very, very privately. I've never charged for this. It was it's something that if it could make a difference in someone's life, I've, you know, there's a, there's a big controversy over that electronic voice phenomena that like my brain is making up the sounds that I hear. And while that's all well and good, I mean, there was a woman that I did a recording with, didn't know too much about her. Her name was Dee. She never got to see her mom before her mom passed. And we tried to do a recording, a real short one. And I hear, I love you, Elizabeth. Well, come to find out, 
her this woman's real name is Elizabeth, and only her mother called her Elizabeth. And I have tons of stories like that, you know, in the world of electronic voice phenomena, and 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 other things, and um, even you know our. See, I think we all have this skeptical mind, this this voice that says, oh, it's impossible. But we take the time to do the research. Um, things like reincarnation, so easy to believe. There's no way that's possible. Yet there's Dr. Ian Stevenson, who researched 3,000 children, and they had very accurate uh, accounts of who they were in past lives that people did exist. I mean, things like that. Um, you speak about spiritualism. Reverend Rita Berkowitz in Quincy, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. uh, you, you know, Reverend Rita. She, um, she's her website, thespiritartist.com. She not only can tell you a medium reading of who's with you, but she'll draw a picture. And she drew a picture of my father and knew real specifics about him that no one, no one could know. You know, and there's other things as well. I th- I know I'm chatting it up a lot, but as human beings, uh, we can take things for granted or we can start the investigation. And I know that maybe back in, in 1990 or so, I was not ready for this. But because of my own investigations, because of what I've learned, I think mm-hmm. I've grown as a human being. I think my quality of life is better. I think I live a different way. I think if we're not afraid of dying, we're not so much afraid of living. And we can go just a little bit further and go after our dreams. And I do think there's this world, if you want to call it magical or miraculous or something that that shows up. That's what, a mouthful, but <laughs> no, I, I and I, I, you know, I, I, I do, you know. I do understand the basics of spiritualism. It is something that I've studied, um, but it's the it's the problem I have, and it, it's it's a question that I'm really asking on behalf of, of I guess, of the listeners because we're the mm-hmm. you know we're the ones to put the questions for them. But sure. it's a question that you know somebody out there might be thinking is, you know, there is this long history of spiritualism it's it's a very very you know we we have uh, sir arthur conan doyle we have great men of science oliver lodge right. uh, all all have you know all of whom have been uh, devotees of spiritualism and believers in survival of death and yet we have this you know muddled up account from from you know some of the greats uh, wt stead arthur findlay um all of the great mediums and they all contradict each other about how we survive death and that i think that is that not a problem um you know shouldn't there be a unified message coming from the other side which which of these messages is actually the correct message Mm, that's a great question there's a book um called the tibetan book of living and dying that i read early on in my adventure into all of this and the author first introduced me to tibetan buddhism which opened my mind to the whole idea of reincarnation because that's even questionable you know do we go on are we recycled like reincarnation or (laughs) or is there heaven you know i i grew up catholic and you know there's heaven and then that's it and i you know i i haven't crossed over to know the big picture what's true i like the idea of reincarnation because it's like recycling a soul why <laughs> a child just has 6 months on earth and goes away i mean is that it you know I, I i don't know i think there's a bigger picture but what the author was saying is based on our belief system 
is what we're going to see when we cross over. Uh, my dad, extremely Catholic, um, believed in Jesus. I've had you know, Reverend Rita saying he's with Jesus. Uh, people that are, are Buddhists, maybe they see something else when they cross over. Um, I think, it, and if you don't mind me getting a little playful here, I think this will paint, this is just, because if we can bring some play into it, I think it'll lighten things up. And I think as human beings, you know, like we said in the beginning, we come to this planet Earth. We're given five senses, uh, which I don't believe. And again, not pushing this on anybody. This is my own belief. But when we cross over, when we die, when our bodies die, I believe that where we go is very much... Um, well, we don't have our five senses. We don't have a physical body. Things like if right now, if you guys could imagine the taste of chocolate. Yeah, you can get a very good thought of chocolate. You might even get your mouth salivating a little bit. And But it's not actual chocolate. And we can enjoy actual chocolate while we're here. When Before we come to Earth, after, I think it's, you might want to say a dreamlike state. You know how our dreams are very, very real. Mm -hmm. Um but then we open our eyes and it's like, oh, here we are, you know. And um, so many people have said who have had near-death experiences that um, where they go in that near-death experience is is very similar to waking up from a dream. It makes our planet Earth seem like it was just a dream. You know, this new place just seems real. Very interesting. But this is the playful part that I want to bring in. Um as human beings, I think if we can picture just for a minute playfully that there's this place, if we want to call it heaven or the hereafter or whatever you want to call it, that is so great and is so wonderful and it's just everything you could want. Um, but the problem with all good all of the time is it gets extremely boring. You know, we, we need the dark so we can experience light. And I think coming to planet Earth is, is a place that our souls can come, we can learn, we can grow, we can experience. Um, we each have our own individual journeys that we're on to learn, to love, to grow, all of that. Almost like Earth would be an education for the soul. And so while we're here, there's just a ton of experiences. But here's what I think is the, it's not a flaw, but I think what keeps us thinking that we're just these human beings is that we all have the, the ego, the identity, the little voice inside of our head that in the morning may not want to roll out of bed or we look in the mirror and we, we say, oh, we're ugly or we're too fat or if you're single, oh, I'll never get married or, the, you know, the one that puts us ourselves down. And to the rest of the world, we appear to be a great person. But inside our own experience, there's this little negative voice. So this negative voice has us forget who we really are. And I think that's just the thing that convinces us that we're just human, that nothing else is possible. Now, to answer your question, Steve, about who's right about what happens in the you know beyond, I think any of these psychic, psychic hits and any time like a medium comes into play um, – I think we can all get to this place, you call it meditation or quieting of the mind. I think we've all had some experience or another of so some I kind of... We're going to have a quieting of our guests because we have to take a break. Oh, I forgot about that. We have okay. to continue this conversation after the break. You're listening yeah, we have to, to help. We have to sell her spray now. Right okay, here. okay. Fair Expo's channel and beyond. We'll be right back after the following... 
Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in Ghost Chronicles, The Next Generation every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. Still, my beating heart and passing me the defibrillator because we're back for part two of Ghost Chronicles International with me and New England's not very own Van Helsing because I just got muddled up then. Um, anyway, we're live on talking at Ghost Chronicle. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, good job, Steve. Good job. Yeah, you botched it up last week actually, so you can't. I have never a go botched and, and we're on the podcast. If you're listening now, you can fast forward this bit. Uh, this bit. Our guest tonight is Sandra Champlain, who's the author of the number one best-selling book, "We Don't Die." And immediately before the break to sell shampoo and uh, breakfast cereal, we were talking. Uh, and Sandra was answering the very interesting question: Why do we get so many different messages from uh, different mediums and spiritualists, and which is the correct one? There you go. Yeah, correct. You know, I, I just have this picture in my mind when um, you hear of a car accident and there's all these witnesses and 
So the one car accident happened and everybody's got a different story. Well, why is that? I think that the way our minds perceive information, you know, there's billions of bits that are coming in all at one time and our perception can only pick up so many. So then that's something that we can, you know, visually see, whereas this world of the mystical when we quiet our mind and we get to that point of where mediums go or psychics go or you know when we've ever had that psychic hit it all gets filtered through our minds and our perception and um i think a lot of times we might add some of our own beliefs into them Uh, you know unfortunately the only way we know everything for sure is when our moment comes but there's things guys like we're so used to believing what people have taught us. So all those people that believed the earth was flat, I mean, that's just the way it is, right? So 150 years ago, could you imagine if someone were to say, you know, talk about the automobile and that there'll be a little box inside and it will be speaking, but there will be no person inside that box. And of course I'm talking about the radio, you know, and um, that would have, come across as maybe black magic or voodoo to someone way back then but do any of us really understand how we're communicating now you know my um we're connected now via skype and i'm not plugged into anything and somehow it is connecting to my internet uh and it's connecting to you fine gentlemen um and how? I mean, we, we're not questioning it. We believe it because we have that technology. But meanwhile, we have this invisible world happening, vibrating, that we just can't see. We cannot see the world of GPS signals, the world of radio waves, the world of our wireless Internet. Yet it's true. And so I say, you know, when we die and there's heaven or whatever you want to call it, that, that place that we go, that our souls survive, but maybe our bodies don't, that's in that same in, uh, invisible plane. Sense. Yeah. Does that answer your question, uh, Mr. Parsons? It answers the question I asked very well. Yes, thank you. Okay. you Probably know, more then, but I get very excited. So, <laughs> no, it's it's great to have passion, but uh, you know, it is one of those eternal questions that people, that the skeptical community especially, like to throw up because they they you know there is that conflict of information. Now, it's interesting you said about um, that one of the possible explanations as to why we get this disparity between stories and between accounts of what happens at post-death is that it's being filtered back through the individual human mind and you are an advocate of electronic voice phenomena evp uh, Mm -hmm. work now is would you say that that's uh, is that one way of getting around the human problem the human sort of interface problem going direct to spirit I think so sometimes. The problem with electronic voice phenomena is that there's so few that come through loud and clear. Uh, I had taken a great course with Tom and Lisa Butler, who are the founding, I would like to say mom and dad of electronic voice phenomena, or not the founding, but they're the current day presidents of um, the association. Um, and they said it's only less than 1% of the time, like a, cl- a clear message will come through. Everything else, it, 
you know, maybe background noises or you have to really loop things over and over and over and over and listen to them to, to see if you get something clear. I've been lucky that I've gotten, well, I've gotten thousands of EVP messages, but there's been so many of them that only I could hear. And I, you know, well, that doesn't really convince anybody of anything unless the person I'm working with can hear something also. But the things that, again, I've heard were so specific like things I just couldn't possibly know there was a woman named Daphne not her real name um, who was in prison when her dad died and I got this picture of her father in my mind while I was working with her and um, he had had a tracheotomy and he had that device that he put up to his throat now I'm thinking this is all my imagination and what I hear coming through on, and she heard it too on the um, recording is I love you Daphne so easy to talk now easy to breathe and so that some things like that they're so specific and then I got the visual attached that you know hey I say I say it's real it, it made her feel very comfortable that dad was still there do you think you um, need to be a medium then to do effective EVP work? I don't. Cause, because I don't call myself a medium. I, don't, I didn't go on to practice mediumship. I, I think, see, there's something that I like to do within the pages of We Don't Die that I think is rather unique is, um, I don't want to guess this, but have you gentlemen spoken about remote viewing at all on your shows? Oh, yeah. Yes. yes yeah. Well, I had taken a remote viewing class with physicist Russell Targ, and he's just brilliant. And what he did is there were 60 of us in the class, and he said, doesn't matter if you believe in ESP or not, we all have this ability, and I'll show you. So over the course of the weekend, all of us were seeing pictures in our mind of things that were in sealed envelopes. Um, We're be times that we would take a partner and we'd hide something in a brown paper bag and the partner would see images of what was in that bag and we all could do it and so our minds are very very busy all the time it's very hard for us even when we fall asleep at night to turn off that mind that's always chatting with us but it takes being in that place when there's no chatter that I think these abilities come in and I think we all have them. I think um, some more than others. I mean, there's some people that are naturally talented at playing piano and there's others of us that could spend 20 years trying to practice and to, to have some level of mastery. I think there's people that can have these psychic abilities just naturally. And there's others of us that just need to really practice quieting our mind. And then, you know, having these moments uh, that we can see something we normally couldn't. And I like to, for lack of a better word, blow people's minds uh, doing remote viewing because I teach people how to have a magazine in front of you that you've never opened before. And then quiet, do an exercise to quiet the mind and then journal a little bit that if you could see what pictures are in that magazine, what would you see? And naturally, we'll all get images that come to mind. Well, what happens is you start going through the magazine and there's a picture of Abraham Lincoln or there's a picture of a train or there's a picture of a ladybugs or, you know, there's things that you shouldn't know that are in the magazine and they're in the magazine. And to have an experience of being able to remote view Does it convince us that there's life after death? No. But what it does is gives every human being who is willing to do this that thought of, if I was just able to do that, what else might be possible? 
But isn't there a mix-up going on there between uh, what might be a, a, a fairly normal but amazing human ability, one of you know telekinesis, one of thought transference, mind reading, telepathy, which might just be a, you know, one of our one of our God given senses that we just don't understand yet, and but making the leap then to well because we have this extraordinary ability, then we survive death. It's rather like saying, you know, I've got exceptional hearing, or you have exceptional eyesight. You know, we may just have an exceptional additional sense that science hasn't yet come to grips with uh, you know uh, to make that 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 i think is something logical and there's an awful lot of research that has been done onto extrasensory perception psi as it's called uh looking specifically at telepathy and uh, uh, te- uh, telekinesis and the argument is actually coming down very much in favour of those abilities being possibly, a, a, you know, a normal human faculty. What's interesting is that you're taking that to the next stage. Um, you're, you're suggesting, if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, that then because we have that fantastic extra sense, we could survive death? Well, I say that, Steve, because... There's people like Dr. Alan Botkin, who, doctor, uh, psychiatrist, never believed in the world of life after death. And he got his patients to this place where the mind wasn't chatting. He, he, does, um, he works with a lot of veterans of the war who have post-traumatic stress disorder. And he's gotten them to this place with EMDR, the eye movement um, therapy where their mind is quiet. Now that's the same place we go when we remote view and we meditate, Mm -hmm. but people very accurately can see the deceased. I mean, he found out about this because one of his clients started telling him about his, uh, I believe it was a deceased child and new specifics. I mean, there's so many people, even myself included that have known things about the deceased and have seen these people like they're appearing like my imagination, like if I was going to invent somebody in my mind, but they're real, they're accurate facts that I couldn't possibly know. They're even things that the partner I'm working with doesn't know. So it's not like I'm just reading their mind. So even the remote viewing thing is just to bring about that if, you know, things like um, near-death experiences. I, I don't know if you've spoken with Dr. Ken Ring um, in your journeys, but he's someone, older man now, um, but he was so fascinated with the world of near-death experiences that he decided to study only blind people that had near-death experiences. And in those moments that, you know, they flatlined, people that have never had vision before could see for the first time and could accurately see deceased loved ones, could tell colors and shapes and tell what people were doing back on earth, you know, in the waiting room or something like that. And so, you know, if telekinesis and and ESP and all that is real, and if we're picking up things about people's deceased loved ones that we can't possibly know, and there's voices coming through, and there's people drawing pictures of these deceased people that they've never seen before, and all all of this just leads me to believe that life after death is real. And then the biggest thing is, like I said, my 
no fear of dying, the quality of life, the less time grieving. I mean, it just provides for a more empowering, fulfilled life while we're here. We kind of get away from uh, this, but uh, someone from the chat room, Ghost Girl, asked a question earlier in regards to can our loved ones come back to visit us? Well, hello, Ghost Girl. (laughs) Can they come back to visit us? I think so. Yeah, I think um, there's been times that I've gotten a picture of my grandmother sitting on the couch with me or I've... um, heard a message or something i i don't you know i've heard of people that can see them outside their vision for me it's only been in my inner vision mm-hmm. um but you know i believe just like we like i said we can't see the wireless internet around us that it's real um our loved ones are nearby we just can't see them so okay. yeah i have actually a question for myself and 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 i was reading your biography and it says uh you were you know, evolved a lot with race cars. Yeah, and I still am. <laughs> I, I think that that's an interesting, uh, you know, because, I mean, you're dealing with death as far as race cars, at least mm-hmm. death every time they get into them. And how does that affect them, their religious, not religious, but their spiritual views? Have you ever spoken with any of the drivers or, or the crew or anything? Yeah, there's a couple of drivers that come to mind. I, for your listeners who don't know this, I am a chef by trade. And my mom and I run a hospitality service that we have a big tent and we set up breakfast, lunch, dinner buffets for the race car teams and drivers uh, during a race week. We were just last in Daytona. Mm-hmm. And under the tent, I actually have a display and a sign with a picture of my book. It says, we don't die. And is there life after death? Sandra Champlain says, yes. And I sign books at the racetrack. Funny, but it's, it's the truth. Oh. Well, one of, go, go ahead. I was going to tell you the story. One of the race car drivers told me. No, I said, that's cool. Actually. Oh, that's- cool. Okay. I thought you were going to ask a question. Oh. Well, one of my race car drivers, he'll remain anonymous right now. Um, but he called me over and he, he says, I want to tell you a story I've never told anyone. And he said, back in the seventies, he had died. Um, he got into a car accident. He was rushed to the hospital. He ended up flatlining on the table. He said where he went, his grandparents were there. He said it was so much more real than even where we are now. And he says it felt good. And he said, like, he knew this is heaven and it was great. And he was ready to just continue on. But he was able to look down and see his mom and dad and brother praying for him. And he just felt like he had the choice to come back. So, he he did. Now, this is a man who's now in his mid-50s, and he's never he never talks about this because we're always so afraid of what will other people think. But because I have the book, because he's known me for a while, he decided to be vulnerable and share this. Well, why he told me what this story is because when he chose to come back to Earth and live, he says, first of all, he opened his eyes. Uh, he went into a coma for a little while, but when he opened his eyes, incredible pain. There was no sense of freedom like he felt before, and that great feeling was gone. But he said, because he wasn't afraid of dying, he wasn't afraid of living. So this man went on to drive race cars. He, uh, and I mean, really drive. He's won 
more championships. He's a TV announcer now. And he says, without that fear of dying, I didn't have the fear of living. I could push my foot on the pedal further. I could take more chances because there really is ultimately nothing to be afraid of. And I don't promote people uh, putting themselves in these you know, death-defying feats just to prove that they can survive. But there's so much fear we experience as human beings that is an illusion. And if we can say no harm is ultimately going to come to us, we can pick up the phone and maybe, you know, there's a young man or young lady, someone wants to say that I love you too, especially now it's Valentine's Day. But we have this fear, what are they going to say? What if they reject us? Well, when we can be vulnerable and we can step through that fear, that's when the magic happens. That's when this feeling of exhilaration, you feel like you're really living life is through that. So to be able to have that, uh, there's another race car driver that came up to me with another story he's never told anyone his father had died and his father really was as one of these conspiracy theorists he didn't believe banks he didn't believe government didn't believe in, in anything and he Wise had man. Uh, yeah maybe maybe not but he had this woman show up and she claimed to be a medium and he says oh i don't believe in any of that she says well you don't have to but your father's with me right now, and he wants you to look in his chimney. He's got some money stash, some gold coins, and this is where it is. Total stranger. Well, suddenly, you know, this guy goes to his father's house, finds the gold coins. How did that happen? And now that left him open to, Sandra, I've got to read your book, because if that's possible, what else is possible? So this man owns a big car dealership in Texas. He bought the book, you know, he saw he's going to promote, you know, support the chef. Um, but now he says it's the best book he's ever read, the most motivating about living life now. He bought three cases and every person who buys a car at his dealership, he gives one of my books. Sounds a little far-fetched, but it's it's the truth. So, I mean, if we can, you know, it, it, this journey, I mean, even the reason you guys have your show, I think, is to get people educated to help people ask questions to go on this discovery what's true what isn't and if we can each have that within our own lives and investigate the things that you're passionate about or you question like there's a new sense of living life when you can uncover some truths for yourself right you know it's it's interesting about uh, race car drivers too is because in my book uh, goes today of course i i always tell the story about i believe it was dale Earhart and his father how mm -hmm. Father has supposedly helped them, who had passed, had supposedly helped them out of a car that he had gotten in an accident. Have you ever heard that story? I have not heard that story. Yeah, the uh, it, I believe it was Dale Earhart. You know how I, how good I am with names. Um, yeah, his father had passed, and and Junior got in an accident, and the next thing he knew, he was somebody was helping him out of the car, and when the crew arrived, they. He was already out of the car, and he swears that his father helped him out of the car. Very possible. I want to offer something for you and your listeners, because I'm not somebody who's trying to sell books. I'm trying to have people have great lives. I have a website called wedontdie.com, mm -hmm. and you can freely download the first couple of chapters where I put all the best stuff in right at the beginning. Um mm -hmm. Because I want I, I, I want to engage people in, in what's possible. Certainly on an hour interview, I can't share everything. And I'm sure when we hang up from this, I'm gonna say, Oh, I should have said that. Oh, I should have said that. Um, but you can you can read that. And there was also a gentleman who was a 
outspoken atheist who um, didn't believe in any of this. And he just happened to read We Don't Die. And he said it changed his life. And, and not so much that he's extremely spiritual now, but it just opened his eyes up to if that there's something else possible. And he is an Emmy Award winning filmmaker who flew to Massachusetts, spent two days with me and created a documentary, a 15 minute documentary. And he said, if you could change my life in a book, he says, what can we do in 50 minutes with people that don't like to read? So all of those aha moments that he had and those things that um, helped him he put into the movie so that's on my website as well so do you want to give out your (laughs) you can guess what we were about to say then can't you uh, no, I'm Would not you like psych- to give out your website details? Sure. Uh, WeDon'tDie.com is the best place to reach me. There's a contact Sandra button, and I answer all my emails. Um, and again, the book is We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. That's available at your favorite bookstore worldwide or online. Yeah, I'm actually... I've- uh, actually on the page and it's one of those refreshing websites that you can actually download very quickly it doesn't come down with you know some of them are just forever but it's a very it's a very nice to read website uh, Thanks. very very straightforward so there's lots of links on there for people to follow as well so uh, oh yeah because you know you may not want to buy a book but you follow some of the links do some investigations yeah. everything has you know you can learn more about remote viewing you can learn more about evps you can listen to some examples of the evps uh just you know there's so many people that leave this life and you hear all these stories of people dying with regrets i don't want that i want people to live fully now so that those last moments you look back on your life on earth and you said yeah i really played full out i went for it you know and that's the kind of life i want people to lead in the words of frank sinatra you did it my way (laughs) (laughs) aren't you fun (laughs) well i I wouldn't dare sing it let's put it that way that that would that would empty the the room thankful for that steve (laughs) So, Sandra, what's what's ahead for you now? Oh, I got asked to be a keynote speaker at a death and dying conference in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, later this month. That's a big deal. Uh, Dr. Raymond Moody was the keynote speaker last year. And, of course, he's the guy that coined the phrase near-death experience. Psychomanthium chamber. Say that again. He's the one that invented the psychomanthium chamber or honed the psychomanthium chamber. Mm. I, I wish I could tell you maybe, I know what that is. Maybe, maybe, but, no, maybe. That, that's not that's a true story. Yeah, uh, what? There are other parapsychologists who would disagree with what you just said because they also claim to have done a similar thing. Ah, uh, what do they know? You know what? <laughs> well, you know, parapsychologists are like. If they don't like it, come on the show and tell me different. Okay. There you go. So, as far as I know, he's the one that does extensive did extensive work with the psychomanthium chamber. Uh, are you aware of that? No. Uh, Oh, you have much to you guys have much to teach me, so I'll be listening to some past podcasts of Ghost Chronicles to learn. There's a million yes, stuff. Uh, but anyways, uh, the psychomanthium chamber it, it does supposedly promote the the near death experience itself. Oh, I think I've heard of it, but I didn't know that was the name. But for going to keep my day job, and that's working with the race teams. And then promoting this message because I, I'm getting a lot of life out of it. 
we all oh, appreciate that, that that was just a pizza bell that just went <laughs> <laughs> i didn't want to ask yep that's the doorbell which means pizza from the dead is here so we save me a piece of pepperoni well it's from the dead so i wouldn't oh no no but You're anyway. sandra uh we want to thank you so much for coming on the show thank and you very much book is we don't die a skeptic's discovery of life after death by the way i i have had a near-death experience so there you go well, i was going to say tune in next week and ron and i will both still be here proving that uh the no, dead do come back week after week no, after week. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, gentlemen, and thank you, listeners. So I'm glad we were all here. Thank today. you, Sandra. You're welcome. Yep. And so, anyways, that's the end of the show for now. And I'd like to say to our listeners to tune in tomorrow night when we go. Uh, I guess video is that video, or it's you can actually see us as well as hear listen to the show. Oh, that is scary. That is, is that, scary. That's um that's RTSC, isn't it? Huh? Or is that instrumental transcommunication? When you talk to them with pictures instead of just through the ghost box. What? Speak English. White noise. Mm. Anyways, yeah, the, the, the show will be broadcast regularly over the uh, Pararex and uh, Ghost Channel and the restroom, and will, the podcast will. But, uh, but you'll also be able to go to the Tojanet website and see the video live. And also you can go to the EBTC, whatever it is, uh, website. And if you go to the Ghost Chronicles Next Generation page, it, it should have the information on there. So it's a TV edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. So, which Steve, by the way, kicked off the first one. Tomorrow we will have uh, Jeremy Dontremont, who is a author and lighthouse expert, and we will be talking about. And a thoroughly nice bloke, as I can attest. Haunted lighthouses. So there you go. Anything you want to add before we say goodbye? No. Good night. Good night. God bless. And we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. I mean, help. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.